0: great learning environment as a new grad and if you can survive um, night shift you really can build those bonds you have the time Mm -hmm. and the energy from your um, colleagues who maybe are not as busy to kind of help you out um, if you know something were to happen or whatever so I think at the beginning when you're a new grad you don't I don't know maybe you don't have that kind of Um, thinking to say, okay, let me pause for a second and like why, is you know, kind of talk to the parent or talk to somebody else. You're literally just like, you know, frantically on the phone with pharmacy because your eight
1: o'clock med hasn't come up. All right. Welcome back, everybody. The world is trying to fall apart on us, but here we are. So we did take a week off to help amplify voices that I felt needed to be heard. Um, I did share quite a few amazing people via Instagram, and just really tried to take a minute to pause and to listen. And this has really been a crazy few weeks, and as someone who has so many Black and African American friends and such a strong, diverse community, I really actually just want to take a minute to hit this head on, so I'm Sorry. I'm sorry that this is all happening, that we are in 2020 and we are still fighting against racism, inequality and hatred. And honestly, this is really a human rights issue. And I feel very fortunate that I've created this platform, which promotes all walks of life. And honestly, I really feel like this moment. It's not about me right? This is about voices that have gone unheard. This is about oppression. And this is also about taking a step back and really assessing and digesting what people have to say. So that's exactly what I did this past week, I really tried to open my ears and my heart and really understand. And I'm not going to claim to have all the answers. But I am willing to learn and listen. I really value this like-minded community, and I really feel like, can I do more? Yes, of course. Activism, in my humble opinion, really starts in the home, and it spreads throughout the community. And right now, more than ever, one of the most tangible things we can all do is vote. I just listened to episode 272 of the him and her show, many of you know, I'm an avid listener, a weekly, I am a diehard, skinny confidential follower. And they brought on Deborah Messing and Mondana Diana from the dissenters, who really broke down the importance of voting and their campaign called I'm a Voter. And on that episode, they sat down to discuss activism, how to get involved, and the importance of exercising a right. They provided resources. And think about it this way. If every person who marched voted, that would be a game changer. I will link that in the bio for you guys that episode. But I want to make a promise to you. I want to make a promise to everyone here listening to the Selfie Podcast show. I pledge to you, no matter who you are, the color of your skin, where you're from, what you do, who you are, black, white, green, blue, rainbow with sparkles on top, I promise to be a platform that supports it all. I feel very proud to have such a diverse guest population featured on this show from all walks of life. And moving forward, I want you all to know intolerance will not be welcome here. Never has and never will be. All right, let's dive in where we left off. So this is a long-awaited episode, and it is jam-packed. I've had so many requests for NICU experience, PICU, float pole, and of course, grad school 101, the route I'm taking and why. And I have been waiting to bring on someone who I could bounce these perspectives off of, and I think it's just important to give you guys more than one perspective more than one journey and for you to hear the whole story pertaining to grad school you really need to get the full picture so this is someone that I've been waiting to bring on for a long time and I think will give you guys a lot of answers a great well-rounded approach to the nursing world and has so much insight to offer here with me today episode number 16 grad school 101 part one we're bringing on now Natalie Adame, MSN, CCRN, PNP. We are bringing you PICU and NICU nurse perspectives. This is an episode that is tangible. You're going to get so many takeaways to help you in your nurse journey. We're going to bring you some of those burning questions that you guys all sent in. We're talking social media growth, travel nursing, grad school 101, critical care float pool, and modern day nursing perspectives. We also discuss some recommendations and resources for NP school. We talk all things grad school online versus in classroom settings, the who, what, when, where, and why, and how to never take no for an answer. So without that, you guys, let's dive in. Fresh off of uh, your bachelorette, no less. Yes, so
0: we had a Zoom (laughs) bachelorette party last night. That was pretty fun. So my original bachelorette party was supposed to be this weekend in Austin. Oh, no. Yeah, and obviously, as we all know, COVID um canceled those plans so my oh. maid of honors kind of just put a little zoom party together so that we could all hang and you could see everyone's faces and i could just so cute yeah like kind of just get together so i dressed up had mm-hmm. champagne they like sent me this cute little um one hope package like champagne bottle with champagne glasses and like a confetti popper yeah and like a cute little bride um straw to drink out of so and- you guys were gonna when were you getting married Our original wedding date was June
1: 27th, 2020. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, The worst timing. I know. So what are the updated plans right now for you guys?
0: So updated plans, we've been postponed to next year, which a lot of people ask, like, oh, well, why did you postpone to next year instead Mm -hmm. of just, like, in the fall or something? So we decided next year was the best just based on our venue. We're getting married in Temecula, so we Mm -hmm. wanted that, like, summery kind of nice weather vibe and then it kind of just gave us more time to figure this out like we don't know what's going to happen in the fall and right we have people we have guests that we love that are coming from all over the country and all over the world so we just wanted it to like be safe we didn't want everyone to be like wearing masks you oh, know while we're saying totally i do so it.
1: Yeah. So, for people who don't know you, mm-hmm. um, let's get a little. What's the spiel? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself and like your history of becoming a nurse and things like that. So,
0: yeah, sure. Um. So, for people who don't know me, my name's Natalie. I'm 29 years old. I was born and raised in Orange County. Um, pediatric ICU nurse, critical care float pool nurse now. I've done travel nursing as a PICU nurse. I went back to grad school and recently just graduated two weeks ago. Congratulations. So, Congratulations! Via Zoom, no less. I know, via <laughs> Zoom, yes, yeah, oh. via Zoom. Um, and now I'm kind of like dabbling in the world of like Instagram
1: blogger just because you inspired oh me and doing all that. Okay, so let's go back really quick because there's so many reasons why I wanted to bring you on today. And I actually wanna start from the beginning because I feel like that's kind of where all this started. So. Um, I, everyone knows here, I've been toying with the idea of, like, you know, going back to school and sort of, you know, going in a little bit of a new direction with my career. So Natalie and I met, it was like, what, a a year ago? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be a year ago. Um, We were both working on the same unit. She floated to us and um, randomly we just started talking. And I discovered this person in my life who literally every single thing Aligned, Like, you were back. You had made the decision to go back for your PNP. Mm-hmm. You um, you had told me about this wonderful world of critical care flow pool. You had this energy about you that I was just like, I really, really vibed on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with you. And we just became really good friends. Yeah, like quickly. Too, quickly, like fun. really quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe six months ago, you and I were talking and I was like, you really need to start like Instagramming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just I could tell I was like you and like now you're you're taking off like your account has like grown immensely. And it's just your whole account vibe is like amazing. Like what? How do you feel about it? It's been really fun. So first of all, yes,
0: thank you for um, inspiring me. I think I remember the moment we were in PICU together and you were like, you should just do it. You have some cute pics, like just post it. Yeah. I'm already on Instagram like all of the time, just scrolling away. <laughs> so what. it was kind of one of those things like, why don't I use this time and energy and all of this knowledge that I have from, you know, working in the PICU and then travel nursing and now grad school, I would want to share it with I don't know just other people who don't have that you know yeah um yeah it's a great resource yeah so um so yeah so it's been fun definitely intimidating at the beginning because I feel like we've talked about this like you kind of post stuff and your old friends are like oh so Natalie's becoming an Instagram influencer now like what's the deal with that it's a shift yeah like you kind of get the questions like well why are you doing it and yeah um I think I think by now like the people who want to follow me and are, are like excited have yeah. followed me and kind of stayed with it and maybe yeah. the and the people who are like mm, that's not my thing they've either like muted me or unfollowed me which is
1: fine yeah. you know
0: like that's kind of like <laughs> that it is of what of it weird. is. weird.
1: I will say that um to address that head on because I do feel like in the beginning especially I, I would agree with you like you kind of have these growing pains with it where you're like I'm posting this, but I I know it's going to hit a certain audience, and, like, some people are going to love that, and some people aren't, and it's kind of growing pains. I mean, you just kind of learn as you go. There's no, like, perfect formula, but you're doing it so well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. So, like, when
0: I started, I probably had about, like, a thousand followers, and I know it's not all about, like, followers and all that, but um I think I had some people who had been following me since I did traveling and then now I'm like a little over 6,000 so it's just fun to like but that's such a short amount of time
1: too you know what your message is and you are just staying with that and I love it I think it's your aesthetic I'm here for it you know I'm here for all those fun things
0: thanks girl yeah Mm -hmm. you've been super supportive and honestly I'm gonna say one of my posts that really I think just like I was like whoa this is crazy, was when I graduated and I posted the picture of Mm -hmm. my graduation ceremony that I did on my parents' porch. It was like one of those things where, you know, before I was getting like 200 likes on a photo and I was like, woo, 200 likes, you know? (laughs) And then this one comes in and I'm like 4,000. Yeah, you you hit
1: hard on that one. It was great. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And so I think that's really cool because that wasn't like, I didn't make that up. I didn't try to like curate that, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just, genuine, like, genuine excitement. You could like see on my face how stoked I was and yeah. my family and I just like had such a good time with our little quarantine.
1: Um, I also think, like to speak on that a little bit about it since we're just going in the social media route right now. Yeah. I feel like part of it, you kind of mentioned this and I agree, like it's not about the followers really. It's not. I do feel like what I love about it, honestly, more than anything is the community. Like you're making your own, like I feel like it's so fun to have this community of people that... You know and i will say like you know this you put a lot of hours and time and thought into what you're putting out there right like some of it's authentically curated and it's just really easy and it's quick and then some of it you just literally i i mean i have some posts that I know I've spent so much time like researching and just making sure that what I'm saying is valid or you know kind of backing up what I'm saying and you know you spend a lot of time on it and it's fun to have the sort of affirmation I guess from your community that like yeah I like that like I'm here with you and it feels good and it's fun Yeah, it's fun, and it should be fun. That's the whole point. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, and it's kind of been a good outlet for me in two ways. Like, one, I'm super creative, and I love just kind of doing all those creative things. So while I was in school, and I didn't really have time to be creative, it was Mm. that cool creative outlet. Yeah. Two, um, it happened in a time where I started kind of posting all this nursing stuff with um, new grad things, just right around the time that COVID really got serious. Yeah, And so then I was able to use my platform to kind of talk about, um, you know, like a public health standpoint, really get, um, like, I, I got was so researching, much my, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was, like, literally researching articles, which is what I'd been learning about in school, like, kind of how to research articles and what makes a good article, what makes it strong, what makes research, you know, valid or invalid or whatever. Yeah. And then I was able to, like, post that. And I was, I was taking a lot of, it was taking a lot of time, um, probably, like, I don't know, like a few hours a day. It was good procrastination for me, of course, in school because I'm such a procrastinator. It's fine. It's good. But it was it was nice to get those messages in that time of people saying like, hey, I really feel like I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, you know, kind of just letting me know what's happening in the world as From I, a provider's perspective. From a provider perspective. Yes. You know, and yeah. so I, we were kind of like on the insides, I wouldn't say as pediatrics, we were really on the- front lines you know like I feel yeah. like that mm-hmm. I kind of like to reserve for the people who really were like in it you know Yeah, I would agree um but we just saw this transition so quickly and things yeah. were changing by the
1: hour like before yeah. our eyes mm-hmm. in the hospital in the clinics, with school you know so we had transition. you and I had discussions about this early on about you know when when masks were kind of like the hit or miss Issue. It was interesting because literally one day, you know, you hear one thing and then the next you hear another. And it was really cool to be, it does, you know, we did have a little bit on the inside as far as we are still in working in the hospital setting. Mm -hmm. But um, I would agree with you. It was funny to be able to kind of take what we've learned in grad school thus far. I mean, you're obviously done, but I'm still in that mindset mm-hmm. of, like, being able to pick apart an article and really understand and, and um, help people understand what's right, what's not, what's correct, you know, what's valid. It, it does. It's kind of, it's a different perspective when you're, you know, able to really, I don't know, see that and do it and apply it and also bring it to social media and be like, hey, like, put it, in, let's put it in a way that makes it understandable for people and like break it down and um, be relatable and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, totally. And you do, you always do a really good job about You like
0: break it down. So it's easy for people to understand. Yeah. Like One that. thing that I found that's really hard, which I don't know if you kind of feel this too, but as healthcare providers, as nurses now, you know, going into the nurse practitioner role, what we put out is not just like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not just bloggers. We're not just talking about you know, these face masks that you could buy, like yes. my favorite thing, um, you yeah. know, to wear from Target or whatever, which not that there's not a like, time and a place and I love yeah. following those like Me fashion too. Instagrams, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. but they don't have to fact check themselves mm-hmm. and research and do all that stuff before they put out something about like a product or yes. research or an article or a screenshot or yeah. whatever it is. Like, so...
1: It's That's funny that you bring that up. Literally, um, you're probably dabbling in this realm right now, uh, where companies are starting to approach you more. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because I will say um, now more than ever, especially going into that practitioner role, I really it's so important to fact check and you know be able to know what the companies like being able to really validate what what you are talking about. And what you're right, you have to be able to really back it up. And I have turned down I mean, I'm turning down more now than I ever have, just because, you know, first of all, I believe in quality, quality is the first thing. And the second thing is, as a medical provider, I have to be, you know, you'd be very cognizant of what you're saying, what you're doing. And, you know, is it evidence based in some way? Do you believe in it? Is it ethical? Is that you know these are all things we really have to think about in so many ways other you know i would say in the mommy blogger world you don't have to worry about or home blogger or you know it's a very different realm and i think you have to be we uh have a responsibility to the people that are really following us to be a leader in a positive space and to be a resource and, you know, that I feel like having to, it's re- its a lot of time and it does take a lot more on our end to really not only work and do research and school and do all these things and also talk about it um, and bring it, you know, on your platform. You just have to be so careful about what you're saying in some ways. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you still want to be real and you kind of mm-hmm. want to give like the, the tea, like you want, yeah. you know, but... At the same time, like we still have jobs and we're still professionals. And so, you know, it's a, balance. It's, a it's a total balance and mm-hmm. it's, we do it because we like it and we love to educate love it. and we like to share that information. Um, and it's and, a creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And currently I have been, you know, starting to get some people that are like, oh, you know, we'd like to send you this product or whatever. And I actually currently like, that's very exciting for me, I think in um, one of the, reasons that i wanted to start doing stuff is because you were like oh you should look into being um a barco ambassador Mm -hmm. and i was like tell me about this i love barco scrubs by the way i'm i'm not getting paid to say that i love (laughs) barco scrubs like i just love barco scrubs and all of the things currently Mm -hmm. um you know on my instagram i don't get paid to say the things that yeah Yeah, it's And I've had this conversation with um, my fiance Eric all the time. You know, he's like, Mm -hmm. Natalie, you didn't really get into this to just make money. Like your goal, which you kind of have to like think back to, was really to just share all these resources because that's what I love: aggregating information and making little guides and tips and stuff for people.
1: And so, um, I think that's super important. It's funny because I have I've had this conversation with quite a few people lately on feeling a little bit of the burnout as far as the social media goes, but Mm -hmm. it's funny because I check myself and I think what's keeping it so good for me is just, I really honestly check myself to the point of like, I am doing this because I love it. And if there's a point to when I just don't want to do that and I I need to step away, then I'm going to do that. And I also feel like another part of that is I want to stay genuine and I want to be a resource. Like it's not about the products. It's not about the companies. Can I if I can incorporate that and talk about things that I genuinely use in my lifestyle, that's fabulous. But I really love platforming people and causes and, you know, information and things that are in my immediate circle that I think is relevant and I think could speak to people. And I think that's more important in my little realm. Um, it is a little bit more on a business side, but I do feel like, you know, I am being very choosy right now because I do feel like I just want to stay so genuine to, um, my narrative and your narrative. And I love that. So let's go more into your nursing career and background because you're obviously now moving into a different role, but I want to talk about the start. Yeah.
0: The start of it all. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, My family actually does have some type of medical background. Both of my parents were um, RTs or respiratory therapists at a county hospital here in LA. Mm. And um, that's where they met. They were working in the emergency room together um, as RTs. And my dad worked there. It was his first job that he started, not even like as a respiratory therapist, like worked his way up and then he retired there like 40 years later. Mm-hmm. And um. so my family has always grown up kind of in that medical background. My dad was always the one that like knew how to do CPR. He would bring kind of like the emergency kits, you know, if we were going somewhere. And the coolest thing was, was when it was summertime and my mom was like totally tired of having me and my sisters in the house. And she would tell my dad like, you know, bring them to work. Yeah. And he would, take us all around the hospital, introduce us to the doctors that work there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with um, Harbor, UCLA, mm-hmm. the county hospital, like shit gets real there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it it's, it's a great like learning environment, but we were there when we were young, just walking around like, you know, the ICUs, These they have so many different ICUs there. And like, that was at a time where You know it was just curtains they might still just have curtains like separating the beds and so we would go like to the neuro icu and you know to all the different icus in the hospital and we would play with all the ventilator machines and stuff Mm -hmm. in my dad's (laughs) hospital and um it was just cool and so back from like a young age i just knew that i really liked to be um or i would want to be in the medical field i don't know if i ever like when i was younger specifically was like i want to be a nurse like um until probably when i got to high school and my dad kind of started talking to me more about it and he was um we would go to his work and he'd be like look at that look what the nurses do like they're the ones that are at the bedside they're the ones who are working with the patients the most like yes they also get paid a lot and it was at a time i think when i was in high school like 2008 2009 when i was graduating high school he's like natalie they're literally giving nurses like cars because it's needed it's mm-hmm. it's so needed and it still is needed like there's always a nursing there's shortage. there's always a shortage yeah. Um, yeah and there's so many things to do with nursing so yeah. i decided okay that's what i'm gonna do um i knew that it was hard to get into nursing schools i kind of started to research it and even though i had good grades in high school i had like above a 4.0 i realized that if i went to community college did my prereqs, got my like A's that I needed to. I could transfer to like a state college called um, Cal State Long Beach, which mm-hmm. is local and they have a great nursing program. And so yeah. that's what I did, which you know, kind of sacrificed mm-hmm. that college experience totally. that I think a lot of people were yeah. like trying to get to. Um I did apply to some universities. But that's strategy. And I yeah. kind of
1: like that. I like that mindset. I think that's a great way to think about it because I mean, at the end of the day, you knew what you wanted, right? Yeah. And you right. went for it. And I yeah. think that that's actually not appreciated enough. Like, I think that's a great tip to a lot of people. Is like, if that, if that's, if you know, like, all the high schoolers listening here, I know you're in here. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. Like, keep those grades up and find your route the way, you know, if you want it that mad, then go for it.
0: Right. And I think, so one thing in high school is you get to, like, your junior or senior year, and it's just this like huge deal of like what college you're going to, like what university did you get into? And I remember one of my like, teachers had this list on the board of all these different colleges that these students were getting accepted to. Mm -hmm. And so that was hard for me. I did apply to some universities because I didn't know, like I was kind of trying to research and they were saying like, don't apply to pre-nursing because it's hard to get into, like apply Mm -hmm. to biology. But what I didn't know is that all these super smart people were applying to biology, like planning on going to med school And so I didn't really, you know, get in in that way. So after I realized that, I was like, all right, well, community college it is. I killed it with my prereqs, like took anatomy and microbiology over summer at the same time, like did not have a life. Yeah. Um, Got all A's on my prereqs and then specifically applied to Cal State Long Beach because... They were a program that really just looked at your grades and your TEAS test score. So your TEAS test, I have no idea what it stands for, but it's not (laughs) test. No one ever does. No
1: one knows. Also, side (laughs) note, I never had to take those. And people (laughs) ask me all the time about it. And I'm like, I, I mean, mind you, this was in, wait, eight years ago now. I don't even know. But I we didn't have to take it. Okay. So maybe it's like a new... I don't know. Maybe it's a new thing. No, it's... I mean, it's very common people to take it. None of us... I I, I do know that it's a very... It's standardized testing, correct? It's basically standardized testing. It's very broad. I think I brought like a book, just studied
0: from it. And mm-hmm. the university that I was applying to, they just looked at my GPA from my prereqs mm-hmm. and my like GPA from college, which I went to community college. I wasn't like partying attends. so right. I got a 4.0 right. did well on my teas test and they like accepted me you know awesome. Um, so went to Cal State Long Beach loved it mm-hmm. in my last semester a local hospital was actually offering um, to pay for your last semester of school if you signed a two year contract to work for them and at the time they had adult and peds available so I was like peds 100% I didn't mm-hmm. like I knew I wanted to be in the PICU and so when I signed on the contract, they were like, Oh, well, by the way, um, we might not have peds. And so I thought, I know. And so this Ugh. is crazy. And I don't tell people a lot of like this story often, yeah. but um, for the podcast, yes. I'm a nice and juicy story. Okay. Isn't I was afraid juicy? that I wasn't gonna get hired after school. Like, yeah. you know, you kinda get into right. this mindset, like, where am I gonna get hired? So
1: I graduated in 2014. Did, was there a hiring? I was gonna say a hiring freeze. Still then. Yes. I was gonna say because I there's still yeah. You and mm-hmm. I both were in that generation, and this is maybe to all of you out there right now because I know there's still kind of high, It's not a high, true hiring freeze, but there was a hiring freeze. Yeah. And um, I went through that. I mean, I didn't get my my, my first job personally. I did not get for eight months. You know this. Mm-hmm. But um, you know it's there's always a time and a place, and everybody's journey is different. Wait, so right tell me more sure. about this.
0: Yeah. So I signed the contract. Um, I did my last year, I actually kept the check because I was like, honestly, Mm -hmm. this is not really what I want to do, but I want to just put myself out there, get experience. And if I decide to like, kind of come back on the contract, which maybe like it was not a good thing to do. I don't know. But I kept that check. I did not cash it. And, um, I worked in the adult float pool as my like very first job absolutely hated it I did not I was working night shift Hmm. um they kind of trained me but it wasn't like a full new grad program um I just remember like there was one day where I was like I can't do this anymore like an old man like fell out of his bed that I was like in charge of and I just like started crying in the utility closet like I was just like I can't You know, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. And luckily, um, something in that same hospital, in that children's hospital opened up and they're like, hey, we're taking PICU new grads. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to transfer in. So I got accepted to that program, kind of started training in the PICU there, loved it, loved everybody there. It was a great PICU. But it wasn't super close to where I lived. Mm-hmm. And our current hospital right now, mm-hmm. i had always just wanted Dream. to work at that hospital. Mm-hmm. So awesome. when the hiring freeze stopped at my current hospital and they were accepting PICU new grads and PICU fellows, I actually had the opportunity to apply as a PICU fellow. Oh, nice. So yeah. because I had had that few months of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So went over um, to my current hospital, kind of trained with some of the new grads. Like they gave me... The classes, which I had already had some of, and then they just like shortened my program. And, um,
1: anyways, so long story short, I started working in the PICU. So, um, and that was something I want to touch on really quick for people that are listening and want to know this. So there are. A lot of fellowship programs and nurse transition programs popping up around the country which i love because um nowadays it's it's just not what it used to be in the sense of i think there was this mentality you know back in the 80s and even 90s where you know you put in your time and you become a med surgeon first and then you transition to to icu and that's just not the case anymore and a lot of places really like to train their people early on. And so even if you can't get into that PICU, that NICU, they do have these fellowship programs where if you're a nurse for less than, let's say, a year or two years, you can apply to these nurse uh, fellowship programs. I think transition programs will also take you if you have more experience. But the earlier, you know, it's a lot of these programs or a lot of these units like you to come in early. They want to train you uh, right from the beginning. And ICU is quite different than floor, than ED, than clinic. You know, it's a completely different skill set than most. So let's go into that because... I've spoken a little bit, you know, we dabbled into NICU, but I want to hear more about PICU. Yeah. So let's talk about that as a nurse. Like, what is it like to be a PICU nurse? All right, you guys, you know what I like? Life hacks, the ones that improve my mindset, nurse practice and help me, especially during grad school. It is no secret that I struggle with concepts in a book and I am a visual learner who needs engagement and to learn things in a stimulating way. That is why I am beyond excited to share this study hack with you. Picmonic. Picmonic is an audio visual learning platform. It was established in 2011 by two medical students to help students retain and recall large amounts of facts studied in medical school. And since then, they have expanded to all walks of healthcare, including RN, NP, PA, and LPNs. It is ridiculously efficient, will help you memorize concepts faster, uses repetition with quizzing and mnemonic tactics to help you retain concepts. So let's get micro on how I use it. First, I go through my lectures. I listen to them, grasp big concepts, and then I go back, trace concepts throughout the lecture with Picmonic. I pick the topic, watch and listen to the concepts and the storyline, and then perform the practice questions. Later, throughout the week, I'll pull out the handy Danny Picmonic app, so I can practice questions on the go. I'll do a few practice questions each day to help solidify concepts. Just this last week, I was reviewing the endocrine system and solidifying my thyroid and hormone concepts. Honestly, this program is a lifesaver for me. If you guys are interested in trying Picmonic today, head down to the show notes and click the link for 20% off of your subscription. If you're on Insta, the link is also provided in my bio. Thank you so much, Picmonic, for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back to the show.
0: Yes, let's talk about it. Yeah. So being a PICU nurse means that you get, so by the way, pediatric intensive care unit for people who don't know. Um, Our hospital has our PICU and our CV ICU, so cardiovascular ICU. We have those separated. Um, Some hospitals that I've been to when I did some traveling, they combine them. Um, So it kind of just depends. But we see um, anything from like respiratory kids who are on um, like a certain level of high flow, maybe they came in with RSV, they're intubated, on a vent, oscillator, Um, maybe like some type of traumatic brain injury, they have a EVD. We Mm -hmm. can see kids with like um, brain tumors, DKA. I mean, I can list off all the things, but basically you get the sickest kids in the hospital who need that one to one or two to one nursing ratio because they need to be monitored and assessed constantly. Right. Um, so it is pretty, like, um, I don't know, like fast. It can be pretty fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say, you know, I could never work there. It's very sad. And it is. It's yeah, it kind is. of like, it's hard. I tell people. Some ways yeah I tell people when we're meeting these patients in these families um when I did work in the PICU because I I'm in I did transition into the critical care float pool which we can touch on yeah, later I'm too. but you most of the time when these people are in the PICU it's the worst day of their life and so for whatever reason however they got there um, they're sick enough to be, you know, up with us. And our goal is to – the ED's goal is to stabilize them. And then our goal is to kind of, like, diagnose up there and then make sure we bring them back to a level where they can
1: be, you know, on the floors and on the units. How would you – this is, like, an off-the-cuff question. How mm. would you stereotype your picky nurses? Like, is there, like – I think a- we're,
0: like – I think picky nurses um, – One, we all love kids, Mm -hmm. so that's always fun. You know, you do get that fun environment in the PICU where, you know, you have like Mickey Mouse coming in as your kid is, you know, like vented or something (laughs) like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that uh, there's more young people than there are older. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is kind of like a revolving door, you know, because of just the nature of what we do. Um, but I think a lot of us are type A. A lot of my friends are just like fun, energized, like outgoing people who just yeah. want to do the right thing. And, um, I love the PICU. Yeah, I'm, I know now you get to like come I into the PICU and do yeah. your stuff. And that's like, that's actually super fun, I think, because yeah. I've gotten to go to the NICU, which I used to be terrified of, yeah. and I used to have this, like, stereotype mm-hmm. of NICU nurses. Totally.
1: We all love like, them. <laughs> NICU nurses are... Divas. Yeah, like divas. We're all divas, yeah. We got our stereotypes. Everybody in the NICU is so nice. I love going there. I, it's equally, uh, that's a good exchange, and I do think that that's part of our, our organization as well, but I think it's really interesting because, you know, going we're both in critical care flow pool now um Natalie's the one as I said that really encouraged and made me feel like deep-rooted I was like I was ready for that and I was really fun to be able to talk to you about you really loved it and just getting out and seeing new things and um and getting to know like Pick you, honestly for me is is such a fun unit not only because you know I'm learning and I'm getting out of my comfort zone and I'm getting uncomfortable and I'm getting like restimulated and I'm talking to new doctors I love, love the doctor team by the way mm-hmm. um, but also because the nurses and the RTs are so badass it's like the group of people are such a high caliber and the things that you're working with I mean I'm honestly doing things that I haven't done in years and learning more about okay like these lines aren't lines you know you guys do things so differently you
0: mm-hmm. know just
1: learning about different diagnosis um you know and there's things that you see like yes we see child abuse yes um near drowners you have kids that come in with oncology oncology patients who are you know go septic and then you're the one you know intubating the baby or the child and you know you get a lot of frequent uh we call them frequent flyers Mm -hmm. a lot of the patients who come back and you get to know them so um i actually get to see a lot of the patients that i worked with in the NICU and they're the NICU graduates and you know whatever it may be if they have an RSV over a season and i'm like hey mom like oh my gosh i'm working with you now or Mm -hmm. so it you know it kind of creates this community um i do feel like it is um, a high burnout. I will say that, like just real tea, like you get burnout, um, and just in the way of, I could see it becoming something where you know physically first of all, and then mentally, you're dealing with some pretty heavy things. You're dealing with, like quite honestly, like you said, it's hard. Like it is hard. You're you're having to heal in a child, in like the darkest moment, mm-hmm. and be a parent support um, you know, and, or, you know, you know, that a parent did something that they shouldn't have, you know I mean? And you're the, the range in the PICU is so large. Yes. Yeah. It's so large. And a
0: lot of, I think what's hard about Nick or excuse me, PICU that I, that I noticed once I got out of the PICU. So I did PICU for three years, um, and then did, um, travel nursing and then, when I came back from travel nursing, decided to go to the critical care float pool. But when I was in PICU, I didn't really realize why it was so heavy on me. And I think one of the reasons now that I've been to the NICU is because once our kids get better, we don't see them and we say, okay, bye. Like literally we joke as they are rolling off the unit in their bed to go down to the floors. Like I hope I never see you again because yeah. you don't want to see your kids again in PICU, and so you're there for like literally the worst part, and then they go, yeah. and then you're like, okay, well I hope they're better. And yes, you can go visit them
1: or whatever, but if you're off for a few days, it's not or, like the NICU. It's like not I do, the NICU. yeah, you, that's a good point.
0: CVICU has the same thing. They yeah. like get you to get keep, to see, yeah, because yeah. they don't dis- We don't usually discharge from PICU. Correct. Um, so that's one thing I think that I was like, wow, I think that that really would make a difference if we were able to see it kind of all come full circle like
1: yeah. I'll explain um, that dynamic a little too like you know for example in the NICU once a NICU baby almost always 99% you're you stay in the NICU so we our children our babies our micropremies, most of our all of our surgical kids minus the cardiac ones that go to CV but they're with us for so long and we do get to see them off and you know get to kind of have that closure maybe um and CV does as well, but you pick you, you're right. You guys don't get to do that. You get rid of like a cute, healthy
0: kid who's ready to like walk around and he's better. And then you get an admission that just got in a car accident and you're picking them up from the emergency room, you know, just a few hours later. So right. yeah, so that is one thing. Okay, since you're all about the real tea, yes. I am totally, so as a pick you nurse, yeah. um, one of my things with NICU that we're gonna talk about is, we like you said we get a lot of your patients mm-hmm. so these babies that are being saved at 25 26 yep. maybe even earlier
1: 24
0: yeah yeah weeks so you get in report oh x 23 weaker x 24 weaker some of them and i will admit some of them are totally fine and you just never know yeah but other ones um i have a vent you know they have mm-hmm. a trach, trach. they G2. have a vent G tube, mm-hmm. a colostomy, meds, all awesome. these meds. Yep. Um, and it's super cute when they're teeny tiny and yeah. they weigh about five pounds. Yes. Or whatever. When you have them. When you have them. Yeah. And then, you know, as they grow and they survive because yeah. they do survive. Yeah. Um, it's a different. They come point. up to us and they don't really. It's not like they're. They're not going to get rid of the. They're not vent. tiny and nicky. And they're and and yes. It's and now different. all of a sudden they're eight years old and then they're 10 years old and then they're 12 years old and then they live on our overflow unit which is kind of like our little chronic unit correct and especially during like rsv season right during yes right and you're kind of like is this the quality of life Mm -hmm. yeah You, you know and i get it like parents could how do you make that decision? Like, how do you make the decision when you just had this baby and you want to do everything to save your child?
1: We deal with a lot of that in the NICU. I would say NICU and PICU now. And I would say maybe that's a big part of a real realty moment with our providers. I'm just, we're both bringing it to you real here. We're dealing with more ethics than we ever have. And that's because we have, you know, a lot of evidence-based research. We have all these things, we have these machines, we have medications, we have diagnostics, like we have all these things. Um, And then it starts becoming like, well, is this right? You know, and then who's the right decision to make that, and then because our children can't make those decisions for us, so it is interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because that's something maybe to highlight for people coming into the industry or into who want to you know come into it. Like just be prepared. You're going to have to deal with those things. You're going to have to deal with mixed emotions. You're going to have to deal with some burnout. You're going to have to. That's just a real part of what we deal with on the daily. The other thing too, which I think is really funny and it's a dynamic that I'm getting more familiar with, which you brought up is the transition for our NICU parents and, and patients from NICU and then they go home and then, you know, if I have a readmission to the PICU, mm. it's a very different dynamic. Mm-hmm. The nursing is so different because, um,
0: well, in the NICU, you touch every three hours, sometimes less. Yes. Like it's very scheduled, times. very yes.
1: regimented. Everything is very precise. It's, <laughs> and then you go to PICU and it's like, you know, they, the amount of, um, expectation is so much more from the families in a different way. And I think the dynamics are so different. Um, and you know, cause it, also the a level of sickness that you're dealing with is so much more um, so you know, you the uh, you know, I know my first baby that I had was it was such a shell shock almost kind of going from you know, I'm used to several medications in my head of what I'm used to, and then I'm now trained, now being trained or now working in PICU, and you just have such an like it's a whole new gamut, it's a whole new ball game, it's, it's a whole new ball game, whole new ball game, it's a whole new ball game, baby.
0: <laughs> it totally is, yeah. And honestly, yeah. I um, I love the NICU because of the like. Every three hours, the Mm regimen, and it's sometimes because I'm not a super experienced NICU nurse and I am in the critical care flow pool, I will get those feeder growers that I know that some people are like not in love with, Yeah. but it is a nice break because you give your like multivitamin in the morning and then you're just like gavage feeding, you know, every three hours. Different dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it was nice for me when I was in school because I was kind of recovering from that burnout and, you know, and I'm totally recognize that all patients in the NICU are not like that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, they can be. And then you come in to PICU and it's every
1: either one hour or two hours that you're assessing. You have um IV meds galore all over the place yeah and And then you have you know you're you're piggybacking everything you have different more lines more central lines you know a lot more expectation like I know like my first time having I think it was a kid I don't even remember it was it was an RSV but it was pseudomonas something and we were doing a gas like every two hours and I was like what (laughs) every two hours and they're like yeah we're doing it every and then you know you do you're transfusion, you're doing this, you're doing that, you know, it's like the expectation in the PICU is just, it's a different level, different kind of sickness. Mm-hmm. PICU, in NICU, I, would, I was just talking about this yesterday with another um, CV nurse. Um, mm-hmm. I would say in the NICU and the, or yeah, NICU and CVICU, cardiac, it's a different kind of sickness when you're talking about these, or diagnosis when you're talking about it, right? Most of our patients are fresh, um, they're sick, but in a different way. Um, it's more of a hemodynamic, it's more of a, I don't know how to quite get down to the pathology of that explanation, but then you go to pick you and it's a true, like these children are sick, sick. Mm-hmm. Like it's a true, when you get down to the root of what you're treating and you're having to do, you're really dealing with sick kids. So, you know, whether that's a chronic sick or, you know, a motor vehicle accident kind of sick, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just really interesting. It's a d- very different dynamic as a, as a provider.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the kind of support, I will say too, um, a different dynamic maybe from NICU to PICU is, um, parents in the beginning in the NICU, they don't know what to do. Like, they're looking in this room, you, and every, I'm sure NICU mom is listening to this, uh, you know, you walk in and you're, like, um, I just I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to touch. Uh, this is overwhelming. The monitors da da, da everything and um, you, they don't know their child yet. You know, you, mm. this child was just born. You don't know them. You don't know that there's that bond is a different kind of bond. You love them. And I know this but then you go into pick you where typically these children have been in their lives for years or a year or two years or three and they know what that cry means. They know what that flinch means. They know what and so, is such a different dynamic when you're working with patients or with the parents Mm -hmm. as well
0: 100 and i think life pro tip as a any type of provider whether you're a bedside rn whether you are an outpatient np whether you're a med student especially if the parent says something is up and their child is acting weird yes just follow that path and figure out why you know it's like don't um, brush it off right don't brush it off and i do think that happens sometimes but um, I have a great example. Like, I mean, actually, I could probably list so many examples. You know, parents know their kids so well, and so once they start to get a certain age, you can kind of ask them, like, "Well, what do you think is wrong?" Oh, I think he's in pain because of you know this or this, or mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, he's just acting funny. Yeah, you know, and he he doesn't usually breathe that way. And so a lot of times when something strange happens, or especially outpatient, where I'm now kind of transitioning into this NP role, where I don't have you know a bunch of people to kind of say hey what do you think about this right you know I can kind of ask the parents well like well how is it different than what he usually does you know or something like that so I think um they really we say family-centered care and of course we like include them in rounds and everything like that but I think that using the family and the parents as part of your team um and really kind of getting buy-in from them that if they can help you and mm-hmm. they can kind of do this together,
1: the the day is going to go so, so much, much better. better. Yeah, you know? I agree. I think for parents just to feel heard as well. Because there are times, I mean, I've seen, you know, in the NICU, it is so much we're guiding parents. You know, we're guiding them through that. And we're trying to explain, like, this is... A normal heart rate, this blood pressure—that's a normal thing. Like you know, jittering, like trying to explain that concept of like that's a normal reflex. You know, like we're we're going through all of these brand new concepts, but then you know you transition into other you know pick you even the floors, you know things like that. Ed and I think sometimes some providers are really good about leaning on the parents, and then some you know are a little more resistant. And I think that's a huge thing, like using. Parents ask someone to kind of help be a detective and be like, okay, like, what can I do to make this better? Or is this normal? Is it not? That's a really, really great. Right. Great point. Yeah,
0: and when you're a new grad, you honestly are just trying to make it through the survive. Shift. You're like literally just trying to survive. Make sure that you are charting because holy
1: moly, oh there's God. so much charting. I feel that. I'm like I, whenever I'm in the picture, I'm like okay, I need to stay up with it. It's like even yeah. more. It's a different kind of flow. Like you just have to be. A, it's it's definitely a different flow. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can just like you think your your day is gonna go so well, and you kind of have it written out all in
0: your brain, and you you know you're like okay, I'm gonna go check on room one first, and then I'm gonna go over to room mm-hmm. three. Um, and And then shit hits the fan in room three and you're like oh my god I haven't seen room one you know in the morning and the nice thing about the PICU is the teamwork you know I started on night shift which I think was great as a new grad in the PICU I had my team to lean on and I know some people give night shift some crap because (laughs) they (laughs) say it's like oh, they're the ones making the TikTok videos, and they're just chilling, they're hanging out, like, snacking. We we all need, we need a little bit of that in our lives, right? Right, but it's a great, it's a great learning environment as a new grad, and if you can survive um, night shift, you really can build those bonds. You have the time Mm -hmm. and the energy from your um, colleagues who maybe are not as busy to kind of help you out um, if, you know, something were to happen or whatever. So, I think at the beginning when you're a new grad, you don't, I don't know. Maybe you don't have that kind of um, thinking to say. Oh, okay, let me pause for a second and like, why is you know, kind of talk to the yeah. parent or talk to somebody else? You're literally just like, you know, frantically on the phone with pharmacy because your eight o'clock med hasn't come up yeah. yet, and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, just kind of scrambling like around looking it, for things. Can't
1: miss. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That was another thing too. Is just kind of transitioning from. um just getting more used to the amount of meds and be more familiar with you know those kinds of things. Like I, I don't know even lines like so, in the NICU I would say from a provider standpoint we primarily see UVCS UACS those are umbilical lines we see pick you we see pick lines we see um, some Broviacs but in PICU you, you guys see a lot more or mm-hmm. different can yeah. you maybe explain a little bit of that
0: dynamic sure so when kids come into the emergency room because that's what the where they'll come first rarely do we have like an, a, a direct admit from the PICU so when they come into the emergency room they've either had a line placed um by our transport team which you had a great uh transport nurse on yes, your lovely. um She's podcast amazing. Samantha yes. um they're placed by transport, uh, you know, a previous hospital by EMS or in the ED. So probably an IV, you know, a peripheral IV. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're really sick, they've gotten an IO. So like intraosseous, which means um, that the giant needle has, is going into their bone because there was just in no other veins mm-hmm. um, to put the medication or the fluids through. Um, so they get these lines. Once they come up to pick you um, and they're really sick you have to be careful with where you put your um, medications. So if you have a peripheral line, there's a whole system um, where you can't, some medications don't mix with others. And if they mix with um, each other, then your line will go bad, it'll infiltrate. Um, There's medications that you cannot run through peripheral Mm -hmm. lines because they're so caustic or like Mm -hmm. damaging to those veins. So you need something called the central line. So usually kind of in an emergent moment, if we need more lines, like if this kid's blood pressure is tanking and we need to give antibiotics at the same time, we can't be giving... Drips, which are right. keeping you know the heart rate Herodonic. up and the blood yeah. pressure's up and all of that stuff, we can't give those at the same time in the same line as we would maybe the um, like Versed and the fentanyl, which is our sedation. If they're intubated, yeah. because if you bolus one thing, you're going to bolus, bolus another, and mm-hmm. you're going to like kind of mess everything up. So you need separate lines for that, and you need lines that aren't going to go bad. So the um, bedside provider, either like the um, NP or the fellow resident, whoever, will start um, what's known as a central line. So that's mm-hmm. like um, sterilely, they'll insert a larger line into a larger um, vein right. so that we can
1: you know, start um, transfusing whatever we need to transfuse. So our pick team um, puts in PICs, but so the doctors and fellows put in, what types of lines can they put in at the bedside? Um, they put in um, the central lines. Pick team will put in our pick
0: lines. Correct. Um, I think sometimes pick, uh, so we have a pick team, so peripherally yeah. inserted central, central catheter, catheter, right?
1: Yes okay <laughs> we always use we use acronyms like let's like medical i know jacob hates she it when uses. i do that he's like can you just please like tell me exactly what that means and i'm like oh yeah i forget like we just use acronyms oh for
0: sure oh yeah, yeah for sure but um so we have a special team we're very lucky in our hospital to have a whole team that like will put in these peripheral, or excuse me, these um, peripherally inserted central lines. And they also help with like PIVs. So yeah. because of them, thank God for them. But now yeah. I suck at putting in IVs because oh, no. really these babies have these tiny veins and you don't want to blow another one. So you just call good old pick team and they'll place, Vax. you know. A Vascular great... access, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. Um, but so they'll place those. Um, they will also place um, art lines, so arterial lines, which um, will take a blood pressure from inside of the um, artery. Mm-hmm. We don't run anything else through that really, besides just like a little bit of like NS, um, yeah, normal saline keep it and open. heparin, just to keep it open. Um and in the PICU that's one thing that's different too is that we just put that on like a pressurized bag
1: yeah which is weird and we just oh my run god through. I was like, what is
0: this yes and then in PICU or excuse me in NICU and CVICU you guys put that on pumps pumps because yes you just we run it know, I like, was like so terrified <laughs> I
1: was like oh yeah there's this thing called um, pressurized bags totally forgot about that yeah what yeah. about
0: CVPS do you- CVPS so CVP is a part of your central line so in your central line most of them, I want to say like have two or three yeah. you know lines and you're um the one when they go in they kind of all like follow up they all the follow up like to kind the heart of your, near the yeah point. they kind of go mm-hmm. um I'm who places on that? my anatomy is that
1: a fellow fellows put that. fellow them. could place that yeah, yeah. I mean
0: fellows, fellows um pick. if they're able or the intensivist okay um would place that and um so art lines so. pick
1: lines, you yeah IJs Do you guys D-
0: or IJs too IJs yeah, an IJ is like inner jugular right, right Interjugular, jugular, but you can have like a central line um that's like a central line. it's just the location. so you could uh, have like a femoral central line okay. or an IJ um you know, femoral if you think about it it's right in that diaper area so that right. could get. Um, infected. infected. So they'll try to place like a pick line shortly thereafter if they can, or something a little bit more permanent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you do all have all of that, and I've even been in the ICU when we had um, one of our neurosurgeons came in because we had a kid who had a um, AVM, and What's he that? needed um, AVM is arterial venous malformation that had um, basically popped I guess is the right word for it Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm gonna have to like look up like the right but basically um layman terms you know yeah layman terms okay (laughs) so if you know anatomy you know that your like um your veins lead into like capillaries and then that like slowly goes into your arteries Mm -hmm. and it kind of helps um decrease the pressure if you have a um arteriovenous malformation you don't have that like capillary bed and you actually just can have this like pocket in your brain that just um bursts like spontaneously there's no way to really know that you have it Mm -hmm. young boys are it's usually more common in them but Mm -hmm. um unfortunately we do get that in the PICU yeah and um Tony, probably, your other um, one of your um, guests could probably speak better to this than me. He was back
1: on episode five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: he actually had to come to the bedside and um, one of our neurosurgeons had to come to the bedside and place um, an EBD and basically like evacuate that bleed that was happening inside of the brain and do a craniectomy. So take part of your cranium that... the bone out and he did that at bedside you yeah, know in crazy. the PICU so yeah um and then other days you can just have like a you know a cute little baby with RSV on high flow who you know yeah. you're kind of just like monitoring and um assessing so it yeah. can really
1: all over all the board. over the, it's all over the place yeah it really is I would say my first experience with PICU was actually um when I was going to U of A and um I had this I I thought initially I really wanted to be a CV nurse and or pick nurse I had an amazing person that I shadowed and I loved her Diane I always want to give her the best shout out cause she's the person that I literally I idolize as a nurse she was just such a genuine human being and such a good badass nurse and one of the first days I was with her we had an intake with um a child he was two maybe three years old who was being abused and you know, he was admitted to the PICU and, you know, it was just kind of one of those moments where, and it was clear when he came in that he, his attachment to us was really quick, which was really interesting because typically kids, as you know, anyone listening to this, you know, if you're working in PICU or in a pediatric setting, typically like danger, uh, what is that danger? Stranger danger. Stranger danger. Most Mm -hmm. kids have true genuine stranger danger and we will go to their parents well this little one complete opposite he was like a loving us um he wasn't intubated thank god but he was an intake to the picu and so we did do pictures with him and take pictures of the bruises and that was kind of my first real thing where i was like whoa like i am literally you know this baby's person right now and that's kind of a crazy thought just you know the amount or the range of things that you guys do deal with our paths were so similar. So
0: like I worked in PICU for three years and um, I knew at one point that I wanted to go back to school, but I also had been talking to all the travel nurses who worked in the PICU Mm -hmm. and they just kind of inspired me to go out and get out of my comfort zone. And because I was going back or I knew that I wanted to go back to grad school, I thought, all right, I need to do this travel nursing thing. Like, let's just go ahead and do it. And so I did a year of travel nursing. How how long did you do
1: mine was uh probably about a year and a half maybe two often yeah. for two years yeah
0: it was like yeah. it was the perfect point in, in my you career. started at th- was
1: it three years in Ish. mine was like three yeah. and a half that was years about in. three years which yeah. people
0: ask us all the time like mm-hmm. how many years of experience before i become a travel nurse so, that was one of the questions we
1: got too yes. so, Yeah. yeah
0: and minimum for most places is two years two years yeah, yeah yeah and i think it's really because at that two-year point you are comfortable and confident in in where you're at and your unit you're used to the diagnoses you're used to all of the devices you know which medications to give you know what your assessment should look like what you know what it shouldn't look like um, if the kid's going bad and you've kind of gotten to that point where you're able to synthesize information you ask appropriate questions and you can kind of like be very independent yeah so at that point I feel like is when you're ready to go be a travel nurse if that's what you want to do. So I feel like yeah, the
1: travel nursing for me was probably one of the most eye-opening things I've ever done. Oh yeah, because you go you okay you start in your hospital as a new grad and you know you're one year in, you're two year in, you're like okay I'm getting it. You're three years in and then, um, you know, you start feeling leaning on your comfort zones. You kind of know pharmacy, you know, their procedures, you know, the protocols, you know, your resources. Who do you go to for this? Who do you go to for that? Where do I look for the answer for this? Who, Who is my resource? Right. And you start kind of, you know, you get comfortable. And I do think in an ICU, when I tell everybody this, I'm like, I literally feel like it took me a good solid three years to really feel comfortable in an ICU. A lot of nurses will say, oh, one year of experience. I'm like, no, not when you're in ICU. When you're in ICU, you are, I think the level of, I had this level of fear for probably at least three years. And I still do now, especially now. Mm-hmm. But um, I think getting out of that comfort zone and going somewhere where you don't have those resources, where you don't know who to go to, where you're like, I have to double check this. I have to double check that. Like, what equipment do I need for this? Because it's a different policy. Like, it literally made me a better nurse because I had to get out of my comfort zone.
0: One thousand percent. I feel like we. I, I went to travel nursing because I was kind of um, getting a little burned out from where I was and I wanted to try something new. hmm. Being a travel nurse was 100% humbling, eye opening. You kind of think, like, when you get to that three year mark, you're like, oh, I know, yeah, I know, I know like, I like, know how this goes. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, you get placed in a new hospital and you don't know people and mm-hmm. you kind of have to adapt to that. You can't just, like, stick your head out and be like, Tori, can you go grab this for me? It's mm-hmm. like, you don't know that person's name and they have to build trust in you. You build trust in them. Um, but travel nursing, I think. Um, I've said this before, I think if you want to be, if you want to go to grad school, I think you should do some travel nursing before you go to grad school. Yeah, or see another,
1: or at least like... Or do critical care float pool. Yeah, or like see another organization. I, I do think I agree because I think... It's a humbling experience going Mm -hmm. to another organization. Yeah. And in a way of like, okay, you're going to feel frustrated about things because you're like, well, that's not the way we we did it. Oh, my Uh, God. You know, and you're like, well, that's not what I learned and da, 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 da. But then it's really interesting because sometimes I go places and I'm like, well, that's not what they did. And then it's better. Right. than what we did. You know what I mean? Or it makes more sense than what we were doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it just really makes you think, like, why am I doing
0: something? Yes. You know, what's what's the reason for this? And, um, yeah, travel nursing was great. And it's okay. good for adventurous people. Like, I feel like if you're like yeah. us and we're pretty outgoing. Yeah, 100%. We're talkative and we're extroverted. Yeah. I feel like I'm extroverted with, like, a little, like, Adventure. dash mm-hmm. of... Um, introvert, yes. you know, being introverted. So like, um, that's the perfect combination for a travel nurse. Like, uh, yeah, not afraid to put yourself out there. Love meeting new people. Yeah. Um, I wasn't afraid to ask questions. Like, hey, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. what yeah, do I? Too. I was so the first um, travel nurse assignment I did. I went to Salt Lake City Pick You, um, oh. and or excuse me, Salt Lake City. Sorry, Salt Lake City Primary Children's. Okay. And um, I made sure that, like, my first assignment, I was like, I want people to be nice. Yeah. You know, I want it to be Receptive. a good first experience. Yeah. I don't want to just go somewhere in the middle of, you mm-hmm. know, freaking nowhere Yeah, just to make money because that's not really the goal here. The yeah. goal is to get outside of my comfort zone and meet, you know, meet new people, live in a fun new place. So yeah. um, when I went to Salt Lake City, I had a great experience because their pick you was combined with their CVICU. So I was actually getting more... C D I C patients. yeah, yeah. then I kind of um than I usually did. So that was fun for me because I could just go and kind of ask the fellow or whoever, um, first of all, they're so nice. It's a great team there. Yeah. They have like one of the only PICUs in like a huge area, so they receive children a lot. from all
1: over the place. Yeah, that's what I liked about being at U of A because mm-hmm. a lot of um, you know, we are in a pretty metropolitan area where a lot of these hospitals are competing for the patients. But when you go somewhere where there's not that dynamic, you literally get everything. Like all of your traumas go to one hospital, and it's it. I think I love that dynamic because mm-hmm. you yeah. get everything. Yeah, I thought it was really
0: cool. And so because I was mostly. I put I was put in their, like cardiac unit most of the time I'm like oh my god this is kind of scary for me like what in the world you yeah. know you, when your cardiac babies start crying and they desat to fifty <sighs> you know like yeah. you're, you're like don't cry you're right. like
1: please don't cry you're like just just yeah you're just trying to appease them so they don't desat to a exactly point. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so
0: it really made me ask those questions of like um for the off-going nurse or whoever you know the fellow was or the resident was on that night or another nurse yeah. i just asked like hey but you know i've kind of looked this up but what am i looking for that's like a bad sign right. you know and doing travel nursing i think was what allowed me to then come back and mm-hmm. d- be in the critical care flow pool where did you travel so I went to um, Salt Lake City, Utah, which I just loved. I mm. extended there for a few months, did all the hiking things, experienced mm. like my it's first beautiful fall, went to all the national parks. Mm-hmm. It was great. There was a ton of new um, travel nurses there too, so like we all got yeah. together and we hung out. Yeah. Um, that was kind of one of my fears, like, oh, well, what if I don't have any friends? But yeah. mm-hmm. The, the travel nurses like that are there are your friends and then the nurses that are there were super nice. So yeah. if you're worried about that, just ask your recruiter to you know kind of send you somewhere where they know the nurses are nice and receptive because um, the recruiters know because yeah, they get the they feedback know. from everyone else. Yeah. So I did Utah and then when I was there, I met a nurse who had just come back from Guam. And she was like girl i went to guam i worked in the picu there look at these pictures crystal clear water perfect weather you live on the beach oh my god like you gotta go and at the time eric and i you know we were doing long distance from salt lake city to california which was fine it was like easy flight yeah one hour time difference (laughs) what you know whatever and this one i'm like okay well first of all where is guam and so, kind of, I'm like... I have no idea where that is. ...a different country. I, so, uh, no, I don't even so. know.
1: I'm embarrassed. Okay, so this is kind of funny because Jacob knows this. I don't... I'm so bad with my geography.
0: Okay, so, no, it? not a lot of people know where Guam is. Guam, Guam is a U.S. territory. Okay. So, you can travel to it um, if you are, you know, if you have a state license in um, oh. in the United States. Okay. So, it's not like it's an international travel. So, it's a U.S. territory just like Puerto Rico or like the Virgin Islands. Okay. And Guam is over near the Philippines. Oh, so if you can kind of think where the Philippines are, beautiful. It's over in that area. Okay, and how long is the flight? Stunning. Um, I took a flight to Honolulu. So what? That's like what five six hours from LAX, and then I want to say it's like another seven to eight. From Honolulu to Guam, That's it's a 17-hour time difference, okay. so they're 17 hours ahead. Okay. Everyone speaks English. You use, you know, the U.S. dollar. A lot of people ask me that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to get your license because once you sign up with your travel company, they kind of just like, you know, put you through and they make sure you get the license that you need. And everyone was so nice, like mm-hmm. the workers wow. that work there. Um, I What's worked, the healthcare system like there compared to is the really, States. So it was really interesting. The hospital that I went to, um, was a private hospital. It was called, um, Guam regional medical city. Okay. And they were kind of just opening up like new up and coming private hospital.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, just to say it, I don't think they even have a PICU and a PEDS or anything anymore. I think they like kind of lost money with all of Mm. that and they Mm -hmm. don't have that anymore. Um, But then the other hospital that they have on island island is um, Guam Memorial Hospital, which Mm. is not, from what I heard, just does not get good review. review. Got it. It was so bizarre to be a nurse there because they just don't have the resources that we have. You know, like there were days where we would just like run out of certain type of tubing, you know, and it's like, we just don't have that type of tubing on the island or... We really yeah. want to run this test, but we have to send it off island to Honolulu and that takes about 2 weeks. So there's wow. we can't really do this talk screen that we want because yeah. we don't get the answers mm-hmm. the way that we want to. Yeah. Um a lot of there weren't a lot of doctors on that lived on the island who were Peds or Picu specific. Yeah. So there were um it's there's a huge like military presence there. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of like um military hospitals that um, can sometimes bring over and come over and, like, the PICU intensivist could, like, moonlight there at the private Mm -hmm. hospital. Yeah. But um, in the PICU that I was working at, um, I think we had, like, one PICU intensivist. We had, like, a pediatrician, a HEMOC NP, Mm -hmm. and... I don't know, like they weren't PICU intensivists trained, you know? And so this hospital was like trying to open up a PICU and they were using the PICU travelers to train their staff who had been peds nurses and were great peds nurses, but they wanted a PICU. Mm -hmm. And so they had a NICU there as well. Um, And I want to say there was like six or 10 beds and the entire time I was there in the six months, we had like two intubated patients. You know, mm, it's like super low acuity. They don't have a lot of chronic kids there, right? And um,
1: probably cause pretty, they don't have the resources, you know. Yeah. It's different.
0: Yes. Totally. And um, do they staff? Yeah, are those
1: hospitals staffed with local with locals, or is, is there a lot of travel presence?
0: Some some locals, which who were amazing, like some of the nicest people I've ever met. Someone that I'm friends with now. Um, I worked with him in the PEDS unit and I introduced him to one of my like travel nurse friends. and they're like dating now. <laughs> they're so cute. They That's live cool. in Denver. Um, shout out to Angie and Kevin. They're like <laughs> such a fun um, travel couple. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they do have um, the, uni- the Guam University there has a nursing program, mm. but um, okay. mostly travel nurses, mm, mostly travel nurses. So but it was, it, was a, it was definitely a fun experience. They live we lived on the beach. So they had all the travel nurses in, like, one kind of, like, hotel, like, pre-furnished, really old-school um, spot, like, right on the beach. stunning, like, yeah, your waters. pictures are so pretty. If you yeah. guys are,
1: if you're not following her, you, first of all, you should be. What's <laughs> your handle, just, just so people can It's
0: at Natalie underscore PNP underscore.
1: Um, you, some of the pictures you have from that. Are literally stunning. They're yeah. so gorgeous. Guam
0: is gorgeous. Yeah. The people are super nice. Um, it was it was a great experience. It got me outside of my comfort zone. Challenged Eric and I a little bit on our long distance. Yeah. you know, I'm sure. Um, but we kind of had like if anybody's thinking about doing like long distance stuff, we had like an end date because I when I was travel nursing, I decided it's time to go back to grad school. Um, I'd saved money for grad school while traveling because you can. It is a lucrative. Business. Yeah. You, yeah, can yeah. More, you can make a little
1: bit more money. money. Yeah. Definitely. Um. <laughs> not a little bit, a lot of A bit. lot, yeah. Okay, a let's, lot, be let's be honest so, there. You make a lot of money yeah. as a travel nurse. Did okay, you, we can, let's get into that, actually. Yeah, you make a lot of money. I mean, that's yeah. partly why. I, I mean, partly why, but For yeah, sure. you make a lot of money. I mean, because we're not, you're stipend. You're, you know, a lot of stuff is stipend. Yeah. So you make a good living as a travel nurse. It's kind For of, sure. a, but it's interesting because like COVID right now, I feel like a lot of travel is not, mm. Uh. it's, de- yeah, it's on the decline right now. But, you know, there's always ups and downs with it so yeah for sure but yeah I went into travel nursing one because I was burnt out and
0: two because I was like I want to save well one I wanted to pay off my um debt debt from my bachelor's Mm -hmm. so I was like before I go back to grad school I need to pay off the debt that I had from nursing school so Mm -hmm. um I got super serious about paying off um my loans and um, when I went to, when I did my first assignment, I was able to save enough money. I paid off all of my debt in my first assignment. So I think yeah. I had like 20000 in in debt from like undergrads still to be paid for. So I paid all of that off. And then by the time I was done in Guam, I had an additional thirty thousand dollars saved mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Um, because Such I had like anticipated mind. that I was going to need to pay for grad school. Right. Luckily, our hospital, like halfway through my grad yeah. program, started Sorry, paying ten k a A year. Um, a year mm-hmm. So that was super cool, and all that money
1: I just got to save. So, so before we move on, do you have any quick tips for anybody who wants to do? Um, a travel assignment like what are some a couple little nuggets Resources. you could give yeah
0: yeah for sure so one I would say before you start travel nursing you need to save up like three months of money like whatever your like emergency um, bank is you need three months because by the time you quit where you're working figure out where your new contract is move there Um, It does cost some money before you get reimbursed for like your licenses, the cost of moving and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that can be kind of expensive. Which they a lot of times
1: will reimburse, but you don't see that paycheck until you've already started. Yes. So you don't get paid, you guys, until at least maybe almost sometimes three weeks in.
0: Right. So, so you just have to be prepared depends. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yes, you most of the places you do get reimbursed for all those things. So that's awesome. Um, but then sometimes, just like we saw now, if the hospital isn't busy enough, you are the first contract to get cut. So they do, you know, pay travel nurses more. So when, you know, push comes to shove and they don't have the um, patients coming in, they will, they can cancel your contract. And that's just part of the game. So yeah. if, you know. If that does happen, you kind of want some money um, to fall back on, I would say. um, I know people don't really use Facebook anymore, but one of the best resources that I found was a Travel Nurse Gypsy Facebook page and I don't know if you've heard
1: of it, but there's like oh, you know what? I have so many. Tra- that is like the number one I would say resource for everybody. It is literally gold. go on that Facebook. Yes. If you have a single question, just go on there. I, uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. That resource. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I learned a lot from
0: Bluepipes.com. I want to say, yeah. Which is a travel nurse blog, and I think they have a podcast. Um, that one taught me a ton about like how to get the um, tax-free stipend and then just ask your travel nurses that you work with. That's how I got all of my information. I like was in PICU one night and I was like, hey, tell me about travel nursing. Who's your recruiter? How do you know that they're a good recruiter? Right. Um, and just to kind of pitch for myself, I am yeah. starting a blog and I'm going to have like yes. all of these resources like aggregated, awesome. all of the questions that I asked my recruiter to make sure I had a good recruiter, what questions to ask, at jobs, how to, you know, kind of negotiate your salary as a travel nurse. I want to include all of that because I did kind of aggregate all this information from when I was travel nursing.
1: Well, and I think also I've talked a lot about this too as far as the progression of social media. It's been interesting because I do feel like, instagramming um started there and then you start getting this influx of questions and i think Mm -hmm. that my need to create the blog it literally came out of i needed to do it because i was just getting so many inquiries about it and i know you have been too so i love that progression and you know these things start you start realizing like okay you can become a resource and you can do those things so i love that you're doing Mm -hmm. that you're dabbling into that
0: oh yeah for sure it's I fabulous. love answering people's questions and like trying to help people Yeah, I will say I have like a backlog right now of like yeah. over a hundred DMs <laughs> some of them are like totally gross and like and weird um, but is. some of them I do try to go through so if like you have a question and you yeah. want to know you what's know, your I can website either... or what's
1: your blog going to be my team, blog's yeah. going to be nursenat.com. So. love that I can't wait I'm yeah. so excited yeah I mean, you're such a creative and I love that and I love I leave five together on that yes so you um, you transitioned back wait so you did Guam and then Utah I, I just did, you, did those okay. two
0: yeah I just did those two because I loved them so I extended oh, yes.
1: Yeah, and then you went back to critical care really quick let's touch on this before we move on yeah. um, what was your decision to do with the critical care flow pool or like um, talk,
0: yeah yeah? so a few things one um, I actually originally wanted to go back to PICU when I came back to our hospital um, my heart and soul is there um I know the people. I'm comfortable with it. Um, but I was kind of on the, like, well, I'm already outside of my comfort zone bandwagon. Like, just <laughs> push just roll myself further out, you know? Yes. Um, I' was uncomfortable. U- yeah. I was yeah. used to floating from being a travel nurse. Because when you do yeah, travel you nursing, you're mm-hmm. first to float. Always. I was already used to being uncomfortable, you know, meeting new people. And so I was like, well, this critical care float pole position is kind of cool. You... Go everywhere in the hospital so you get all of the ICU experiences. You don't really have to deal with like the politics of you know where your other places, yeah. You're kind of out out of it, you just come in, you like, you do your work. And um, I thought it would be really good for when I was going back to school, just seeing different um types of patients. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go to the floors, which was awful in a way but also really nice for me because I am going to primary care so Mm -hmm. like that was
1: kind of cool to see yeah well and it changes your mindset right I think when you're transitioning into grad school you just have to really transition your mindset to okay well if this was going to be my patient how would I handle it And I went to FLOPOL for a lot of the same reasons you did, um, to get some exposure, change up the scenery a little bit, Mm -hmm. get out of my comfort zone. Um, And yeah, I mean, the floors, it's funny because we're both ICU nurses Mm -hmm. and ICU nurses, we're used to one or two patients max. Like sometimes I would get three, but like that's very rare. I mean, they, we are lucky in California. We'll say that we're going to vouch. We're going to say this really quick. Every state needs California regulations on um, the oh. patient ratios. Even then, sometimes we're not ratioed well. And that's just a real, real tea on that. But 100%
0: we are um, so spoiled
1: in California. We are like, yeah.
0: our th- we get three 15 minute breaks if we
1: want them. Yeah. We get a full 30 minute lunch yeah. break. Mm hmm. But let's be honest, it doesn't always happen. But it's there. It's there. (laughs) So um, but I guess the point that I'm getting at is getting out of your comfort zone. I I highly recommend it to people after a couple of years of nursing, if you're starting to feel that burnout. It's just kind of a cool way to change it up a little bit. And a lot of a lot of hospitals have float pool and um I just I'm a big fan of it. I feel like you just really, I don't know, you opened my eyes to it and never really like considered yeah. it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is like very hidden gem it of is a position. A
0: hidden gem. Yeah. And you know, it pays a little bit more. Yes. So that was nice when I was going back to school I was like, okay, well I don't want to work as much. So I signed up for this per DM position, which means that I didn't get benefits. So yeah. When you're in the float pool whether you're part-time full-time or per diem you do get paid more because of the nature of your job you're kind of getting paid to be that like flexible flexible floating yeah. person you know you're yes. first to float you're in a different unit maybe every day yes um and so i would like we were kind of saying before we were used to that as travel yeah. nurses yeah. like all right let's go mm-hmm. for it let's yeah. make that little extra money get outside of my comfort zone learn something new yeah. um i was coming back so it was like coming onto day shift i was already out of my normal routine so totally um so yeah so i i really love it i Don't know if I would tell people to like go into that right out of school. No. I do feel like you kind of just like have to, it's nice to have your home base to just like chill. Oh, and also
1: just to kind of get your bearings as a nurse. Like I think that's really important. Also, I feel like starting at nights is always good because you can kind of really get your bearings. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does that, but I agree. I think like when you're spread out too much, it's almost like you can't really get good at one thing and then use that as a base to kind of branch out. For sure. Well, and we had already kind of known some people,
0: you know, so you recognize yeah. the respiratory therapist, yes. you know. That oh, I'm are, like, that I work with
1: the pick you. I'm like,
0: oh, I work with you. I work with you. It's fun. It's I different. love that. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, you're like, I feel like I don't know anybody. Or when you belong to a unit and you float, you're like, oh crap like
1: no my
0: night is ruined or whatever you know and it's scary but when it's when you do it every day you're like oh cool i'm back like oh look there's
1: tori you know oh there's my friends on neuro it also makes the hospital a lot smaller like i feel like i know so many like i walk around now and i'm like oh my gosh i know you i know you i know you i'm like you know it's really cool it's a different dynamic i mean you get to see there's definitely a lot of pros and cons to it if you had to pinpoint some pros and cons how would you
0: Okay, pros, I would say you get paid more. It's super flexible. Like, mm-hmm. we can just, um, hey, you know, I can't work on Tuesday. Can I work Wednesday instead? Because you're staffing the hospital, right. you know, not a certain unit. So that was super nice. Yeah. Um, learning more, meeting new people, not having to deal with the politics. I don't usually get students anymore. I don't have to train new grads, which have I love doing that, but yeah, there's a time and a place for it. I kind of get to go into work and just do my thing. Yeah, cons. I would say it kind of sucks to not have a home base. Yeah, you know, you don't always see Mm -hmm. the same people that you work with every day. You don't get the same patient assignments. Yeah. Um, I personally like don't always get the sickest kids, even when I go back to the PICU, even though I have that experience. Mm -hmm. And um It depends you know, on the
1: shift. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sure. It just depends, you know.
0: Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, I've really I've really enjoyed it. It's it's been fun and I've I've learned a lot. I've actually being in critical care flow pool helped break like so many myths for me about other units yes. and my like judgy totally I think NICU nurses are divas okay clearly not I'm literally <laughs> a bit of a diva yeah. no no, no. Right. I agree
1: I agree I think yeah. it kind of totally you know and there's a lot of um I would say this as maybe a myth buster to a lot of people just as a general thing is you'll always hear people say well that place does that or this you know you're that unit is like X, Y, and Z, or that hospital is X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you just don't know until you do it. 100%.
0: And it made me just backtrack and feel so bad about so many thoughts that maybe I had mm-hmm. as a PICU nurse that we like, were like, humble better. yourself,
1: sit, you know, like, yes, I feel like, so sit humbled. down, yeah. right?
0: No, totally. Yeah. And like, PICU sometimes does this where, um, We think that we're the best or whatever because we take the sickest kids and ED is a mess or wherever is a mess or... Oh, I we talked about that before. on my one of the episodes
1: back. For those of you who listened, we had an ED nurse and tech on, and they definitely touched on that.
0: Right, yeah. And there it's a is, thing. It's totally a thing. Yeah, but I think everybody should do critical care flow pool because you realize one that like everybody's job is hard.
1: Yes, in different um, ways. In different totally. ways. Totally. Just yes.
0: because you're taking care of a super kid or a super sick kid with a drip you know, or five drips and pick you does not make you a better nurse or person than the people that work on the medical or the surgical floor. Yeah. Or an ED or clinic
1: or whatever. I mean, you all over. Yeah. Yeah. Every job is different and hard in its own way. Oh, I get my, I get my butt kicked when I have four patients like like running around the floor. I like so much respect now for all my, my med surg nurses out there. I'm like, I love you guys. And I'm, I, you know, and I think it's interesting because you brought this up a little bit earlier. I think that transition to having four patients is probably the best one for anyone who's going into NP route. And you're not, if you're not going into acute care NP, meaning like you're not going to CRNA or, you know, you're not doing acute care PNP or acute care adult, like, you're going to be going into primary care. You're going to be going into outpatient. It's humbling because we're going to be taking on, you know, so many patients a day. And you have to be able to, like, keep up with having more patients, having more diagnosis, having more patient or family dynamics. You know, that's a mm-hmm. whole different ball game.
0: Yes. And really um, honing in on those assessment skills when you can't just, like, peek mm-hmm. your head up and look like okay look let's look at my vitals super quick or yeah. whatever these kids aren't even hooked up they're not to even monitors. on a monitor they're not even i mean yeah. i thought my kid left ama one day or like i was like we have to call a code purple like i literally didn't know where the kid was I and had he was like of- i think well, it they were like the a unit. surgical yeah yes. i was on the surgical unit and <laughs> they literally just like walked away like they didn't check in with yeah. I, with the secretary like they were supposed to yeah. and i was like oh my god like cold sweats like same okay you guys I'm not trying to freak out. <laughs> where is my patient? Where else can my patient be? I checked yes. in the playroom. Like, they're not in the bathroom. Um, do we have to call Code Purple? Like, what, you know, like, what's going yeah. on? So, yeah. Anyways, super humbling. I think it's a great experience. I think it helped me maybe get out of that like toxic mindset that yeah. sometimes happens in the medical world where we compare each other and we think we one do. place is better, one yeah. place is not better. Yeah. Um, just like so many things in the world um, or just like so many things in nursing, something isn't better. It can be better for you, but it doesn't mean mean that it's better or different, you know.
1: What do you think before we move on to the next hot topic that I know everybody wants to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some good qualities of a picky nurse? Do you think like what are some? That's a good question. I think a
0: good quality of a picky nurse is definitely being a team player. Um, a lot of it is just working with your respiratory therapist, with the family, with the um you know, the RT, to really take care of that patient. You know, it's not just on one person. It's literally the whole team coming together, um, jumping in and helping your neighbor because they're super busy and your kid's totally fine and not Mm -hmm. just sitting on your... Phone, which we're not supposed to do, anyways. Sit, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, texting people back on your Apple Watch or whatever. Um, going <laughs> yes. into that person's room and helping that parent, you know, who has the call light on because your friend is stuck in their other room with like a total train wreck, or you know, those little things of helping and just being a part of that pick you community. I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I think is just being willing and open to learning, just. Asking And everyone says that, like, no question is a dumb question. Like, even now, you know, we still have questions to ask. And just realizing that it's a constant learning environment, being humble that you don't know things. Yes.
1: You know, knowing how to ask. I think um, that's, like, one of the best tips, even for critical care flow pool, that I would have for any nurse, is I always come in so humble to tell someone like I do not know this this is the first time I have done this or like I haven't seen this since nursing school can you just like run through this with me the other thing too which I think is really important um because you know for me going from being NICU so focused for so long to Um, now doing critical care flow pool is touching base with the people like your charge nurse or touching base with Mm -hmm. your lead who is your resource and just saying like, hey, like I did X, Y and Z, but like I just want to make sure I'm doing this correctly. Like I always touch base with someone because I think the worst part and the biggest fear of working in an ICU is people that are overly confident, right? Or, you know, you're doing something and you hang a line and you didn't do this right or that right or wrong medication and that's not compatible or, you know, you're getting ready for procedure and you were supposed to grab this instead. Like, I always make a point to find someone that I can use as a resource or touch base with them. Mm -hmm. It's really basic, but really, like, that kind of communication will literally make your life so much better. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we maybe
0: learn that or at least I didn't I didn't really have anyone you know like people say it but Mm -hmm. you just don't have that like humbling I don't know like demeanor until you get older yeah you know it
1: takes time yeah and I mean some
0: of us started nursing when we were like 23 or whatever and so you're so young your brain hasn't even like fully developed and now (laughs) you're taking care of like dying kids and you're in this crazy environment with all these adults and it can be intimidating but I think you said it perfectly like if you ever feel like you don't know something or something's going on with your kid find a find a hospital that's a teaching hospital that's a learning environment where it's okay to just go to your neighbor or your charge nurse and say hey you know I'm not sure about this or like what can I do about that you Mm know
1: I think that's really important yeah I agree I just I feel like for some reason we just don't talk about those dynamics a lot yeah is there anything you want to myth or debunk about PICU
0: pick you okay so i think we kind of touched on this before with with pick you that a lot of people say um you know i could never do that like as soon as you say like oh i'm a pick you nurse like you know Mm -hmm. i could never do that oh that's so sad like we don't have hearts or something you know and (laughs) heartless yeah we're like like, heartless (laughs) but i think it comes like i think some of the Picky nurses are the most compassionate because you want to be there for those hard moments and you want to um, make in any way that you can the like worst day of somebody's life, you wanna try to make better and you wanna be there to console that parent or that kid. Um, so I think that's a, that's a PICU myth that I wanna yeah. best.
1: Okay, intermission time, bathroom break, grab yourself some popcorn, a Coke, maybe a beer, I don't know, whatever your preference is. Natalie and I have this funny way of talking nonstop. And so producer Matthew made the ultimate decision that we are going to be saving juicy part two for next week. Next week, we are going to be diving into the meat and potatoes of all things grad school. We will be answering all of your questions. We're going to be diving into our journeys with advanced nursing degrees, online versus classroom setting perspectives. We're going to be giving you guys our favorite resource hacks, tips, and tricks all the modern day nursing perspectives. We really want to break it down. And I promise you, we get really juicy on this one. So stay tuned till next week. I think something else too, to be said to that is not just um, burnout, but
0: kind of when you're saying like, oh, I'm not sure. I kind of hear that like uncertainty that I identify with where when I started applying to grad school I'm like oh gosh there are so many other nurses who have been a nurse longer than me who I see as maybe better nurses or more experienced like why aren't they going back to grad school am I not good enough to go back to grad school like am I not smart enough do I not have enough experience and so I think like I don't know about you but like those questions went through my head like is this is this okay like will people trust me And by the time I got into the program, what I kind of forgot was that I'm still a nurse as I'm going to school, like a lot of these programs are geared so that you can go to school and you work at the same time, which we both are doing or did in my case. And now I have, you know, six, almost six
1: years of experience as a nurse thank you guys so much for listening. I truly value your time and I look forward to bringing you more selfie shows. So, on this episode, it was loaded. We have lots of information for you. I'm going to be linking Natalie's Instagram website and resources below. In order to support the show, please head over to rate and review the show. Let me know what you thought. I love hearing from you guys and as you guys know, exciting news, we have started with some small selfie swag. So, if you leave your Insta hand in the review, we will be sending over some super cute stickers and a selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon. Be sure to be following us on Insta at CELLFIE underscore podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find all of our episodes on www.tipsfromtori.com And always, as always, make sure to check out those show notes below. Check out the information about our guests and, of course, our sponsors. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Catch you next time.